Hey, Nick, we have some exciting news to announce regarding um, our friends over at the OBG Project. The OBG Project folks have now put all of OBG First within the OBG Resident Core. So you get OBG First for your entire OBGYN residency. How incredible is that, Faye? Yeah, that sounds really great. And just to remind you guys, the resident core over at the OBG Project is completely free. All you have to do is sign up and prove that you're a resident. And then you'll get not only OBG First, but also the OBG L&D ebook, as well as excellent curricula, as you know, as well as self-test quizzes and things like that for your studying. Yeah, that's over a $198 per year value. So if you are interested in getting this free educational resource, head over to our website, creagsrivercoffee.com, check out the sidebar, get signed up for the OBG Resident Core, and by extension, OBG First, the OBG L&D ebook, all of this awesome stuff, absolutely free, four years of residency. All right, guys, welcome back. This is Nick. This is Faye. And this is Creogs Over Over Coffee. Coffee. All right, so it's been a little while, Faye, since we did a short and sweet espresso episode. But today, given it's the new academic year, people are carrying new pagers, or maybe they're working in the ED, um, we're going to talk about the approach to the emergency department consult. So what are our learning objectives for today? So today we're going to review some common emergency room complaints that are OBGYN in nature. We're going to discuss an expected emergency room workup prior to consultation, um, talk about indications for immediate consultation or OBGYN on standby, for example, for the patient arrival. And then finally, we'll learn to frame the consults from emergency medicine to OBGYN and how OBGYN can help with that framing. So also a good episode, I think, probably for our emergency medicine colleagues. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Again, I think in this, and again, thinking about just the new academic year, we're hoping just to provide some structure and pearls to make kind of for both EM and OBGYN listeners an experience surrounding OBGYN complaints mutually excellent. Let's start off, there's a whole host of reasons I feel like that patients could come to the emergency room or emergency department with GYN complaints. Yeah, absolutely. So here are some of the most common ones. We'll just kind of list them out because these are probably the ones that you'll get called about the most. You're definitely going to get called about bleeding irregularities, right? So heavy bleeding, um, bleeding at the wrong time, unusual bleeding, definitely pain that is pelvic in nature, things like PID, so pelvic inflammatory disease, ovarian cystic, topic pregnancies, um, ovarian torsion, endometriosis, and also non-GYN pain-related issues that uh, could potentially present as pelvic pain. You'll probably also get called about things like infections, so Bartholin's cysts, other cysts, um, urinary tract infections, and as we talked about before, pelvic inflammatory disease, and then also some urinary complaints. So these are most often things like retention or incomplete voiding. And then, of course, there's also going to be obstetric issues, patients who haven't established prenatal care or otherwise sick OB patients, like patients who present with trauma, medical issues. They might be first evaluated in the emergency room if they don't come to your obstetric triage uh, or if you don't have an obstetric triage. And then finally, things like sexual assault and injuries such as lacerations. So these are just to name a few. Obviously, it's not complete. So before they call us, Nick, um, what should our emergency medicine colleagues do to make sure that we get a good, complete story? Totally. And just for total clarification and clarity, neither Faye or I are 
board certified, board eligible, or trained in any way in emergency medicine. Um, <laughs> did one rotation as a fourth year and then did, I think, another month as uh, an intern. So this is coming more from the perspective of the OBGYN and thinking about what we would like in the ideal consult. You emergency medicine folks out there are really good at your normal EM things. You know, you guys are great at obtaining that acute history of present illness, getting vital signs, starting a basic or limited physical exam at the very least, and then getting sort of that sick versus not sick intuition. And I think that's sort of the biggest thing that I hope that we will try and take away from this podcast is really sharing that special skill sets from you guys of that sick versus not sick intuition. There are a couple other things, though, that are really important. And what we want you to add to your basics and the concern or workup of any GYN or OB patient is a pregnancy test and a pelvic exam. Now, pregnancy tests are often protocolized for the appropriate patients in emergency departments, but also, I know anecdotally, it's kind of shocking how frequent it seems the basic test is missed in the evaluation of reproductively aged patients. I don't know about you, Faye, but I feel like every so often something comes through the emergency department, a pregnancy test doesn't get performed for some reason. Reason. Yeah. Um, and then you have some question of like, oh, she got this imaging or this medication or other thing, and we didn't realize she was pregnant. If positive, be sure that your labs ultimately include or add on a type in screen for RH status, particularly if the complaint is bleeding. Um, and then plan on an ultrasound more than likely, um, certainly if the diagnosis of pregnancy is new. Now, another place that is controversial, Faye, in terms of those basics that I mentioned is doing the pelvic exam. You know, I, I think a lot of times other members of our team, like other colleagues in medicine or emergency medicine, are a little hesitant to do pelvic exams because they're like, well, our OBGYN colleagues are going to perform it anyway, and we don't want the, to put the patient through two exams. Um, but in particular with bleeding, having a sense of whether the bleeding is light, moderate, or heavy, or very rapid helps us triage the consult urgency and gives us a differential. So oftentimes when you're calling us for a consult, we're in the middle of a lot of other things, seeing other um, patients, maybe delivering patients, maybe doing other tasks on our floor. And so we want to make sure that we come down in a reasonable manner for that patient. If you have a patient that's hemorrhaging with a hemoglobin of four, we're going to be running downstairs versus a patient who's coming in for some light bleeding. We might say, well, you know what? Let me take care of another emergency before that. There are some contraindications to the digital pelvic exam. So for example, if you have a suspected rupture of membrane at 34 weeks or less, unless the patient's laboring, um, if there's bleeding in pregnancy without confirmation of placental location, please don't stick your finger in there. Don't worry. We'll, you know, take a look for you. And also for OB residents, don't go crazy chewing out your ED colleagues if they haven't performed one. This is a really longstanding controversial issue and training and advice will differ based on region and on one's own biases. Um, but if it hasn't been done and you can't go to evaluate immediately, just ask kindly for it to be performed and for a call back if the bleeding is concerning. Um, because I feel like, you know, not every single emergency medicine resident out there is going to be able to tell you, oh, the patient is laboring and her cervix is three centimeters dilated, mm -hmm. for example. And additionally, emergency medicine docs consider bouncing back with your OB-GYN colleagues when they do a pelvic exam. So getting to do these exams and then comparing your findings will really help you gain comfort with making calls when you're in the community on your own. And it's also really great if you do feel comfortable doing a digital exam that you then compare that to what your OB-GYN colleagues are then saying when they come back and maybe repeat that exam. So it kind of helps you, gives you a little feedback too. So now that we've kind of talked about that, Nick, let's go on, you know, what constitutes an emergency consult? Yeah, sometimes things really can't wait. And so 
there are these things that you kind of want to be calling to your GYN colleagues up front um, or calling them ASAP once you have a concern or a suspicion for a diagnosis. In the more GYN or early pregnancy realm, if you've got a clinical suspicion of ovarian torsion or a ruptured ectopic pregnancy, both of those things represent surgical emergencies and will merit a rapid response from us. So definitely call us on the early side if you have a clinical concern for those things. Any heavy vaginal bleeding defined typically as greater than one pad per hour or a patient who is bleeding and considered hemodynamically unstable, like Faye mentioned earlier, rapid with a hemoglobin of four or something like that. Um, that's a really broad differential, admittedly, and depending on the age of the patient and the nature of the bleeding can range all the way from ectopic pregnancy to even gynecologic cancer. Um, and so with that heavy of vaginal bleeding, though we want you to perform that initial screening exam to say, yep, she's bleeding a lot. Call us so that an expert in exam can get down there fast and help triage and potentially provide treatment immediately too. With major OB trauma, ideally you have a protocol with this at your hospital, um, and OB is automatically notified if OB trauma is anticipated, um, so that way we're there at the time of patient arrival or there in very, very short course. And then finally, the what I would say the quote-unquote sick OB patient. Um, and this is also a reason to have OB to be present rapidly, especially if the patient is considered viable, which may be variable by your location, but 22 to 24 weeks. Um, or if you have no information about gestational age, the uterus is at or above the level of the umbilicus. If the pregnancy is that far advanced, considerations for delivery might need to be made. And common reasons for this could be, and again, varied, but think really sick and pregnant. So DKA in pregnancy, sepsis in pregnancy, or septic abortion, um, or other forms of decompensated illness like we're seeing with the COVID pandemic. All right. So finally, Faye, I think the most important thing that I was hoping to have folks take away from the podcast today was really a discussion about how to frame the emergency department consult. Yeah. So for our emergency medicine colleagues, we love the mnemonic BLUFF, which stands for bottom line upfront. Um, so basically, we just want you to tell us why you're calling us. So for example, um, if you're saying this is a consult for a possible ectopic pregnancy and hemodynamic instability, that completely grabs my attention way more than Miss X is a 27-year-old G3P1 approximately six weeks pregnant with some bleeding. Like I know that people get really caught up with the Gs and Ps. I honestly don't super care if you know those things. I just want to know exactly that upfront thing. With that history, you know, usually what I will do is I will ask, hey, let me know if, when you are ready to hear more. And when that person says, go ahead, that's when, you know, you can tell us those G's and P's. Even if you mess up, it's okay. We just really want to know, you know, if someone's had like two prior ectopic pregnancies or something. I just want to know some of those important history details. Also, the nature of the pre presenting complaint. This is what you normally would do. You know, your normal HPI with your OPQRS, that's what I want to know. The vitals and hemodynamic status are really important. And then also labs and imaging evaluation that's um, going to be relevant to the current problem. And in a less emergent patient, lead off with your bluff by starting with a specific question um, or ask for us. So again, hey guys, this is a consult for a pregnancy of unknown location and we need your help in confirming the findings and coordinating follow-up. That really gets it for me and I'll say, great, I know exactly what I'm going to be listening for. 
All right. So that I think is what we would love from our emergency room colleagues and for our OB colleagues to hopefully, you know, nicely tell your emergency medicine uh, colleagues and residents, you know, that's how you would like to be told about a consult. But what about from us? What should we be doing? Yeah. So help facilitate this conversation. And again, us OBs, we get short attention spans. We are yep. surgically <laughs> oriented. So we're really looking for that bluff. So if you're talking with an emergency medicine physician and they have to balance like the loves and desires of all sorts of specialties in the hospital from infectious disease that wants to hear the whole story. Um, uh, that's a little bit of a stereotype. Sorry about that, but it's true. <laughs> um, but to us with the short attention spans, you know, if they're going into that history, you can ask upfront for that bluff. Before we get to her history, can you tell me what your primary clinical concern or question is? That just helps me to triage more appropriately. Again, that's clear. That's concise. That's not rude. It just gets you to the point. Recognize as well that you're not always going to get a history or your clinical question on a silver platter. Sometimes it's your expertise that helps to clarify exactly what's going on and what the question really needs to be. Kind of along that vein too, you should still always get in the practice of formulating a differential, even if it seems like a slam dunk, and make sure you're asking the right questions to get there. So again, in the 41-year-old with vaginal bleeding, you know, the easy thing to think about are all your AUB things, right? So your anovulatory bleeding, your polyps, your fibroids, etc. But that is the very patient where a common miss could include a pregnancy test and an RH status. Um, so again, Keep your differential broad. Make sure the basics are still getting done. If there's any doubt, err on the side of seeing the patient faster. Again, you're the expert here. Your expertise is being requested. And if you go down there and triage and be like, okay, we've got a little bit of time, then you can reorganize. And then finally, follow up with your colleagues after you see the patient. Or even better, grab them as you're getting ready to see them, particularly at training facilities. Again, you're emergency medicine resident colleagues may want to see the patient alongside you to get confirmatory findings, pearls of wisdom for their own independent practice, and then help with counseling. Again, I do not envy the fact that emergency medicine residents have to know so much about so many different fields of medicine. Um, and so if there are things that we can help impart in terms of just the sort of important pieces of care for the pregnant patient or care for the gynecologic patient. That's always a great thing to kind of share back and forth. And then they can share with you really what I think is the most important thing I took away from my emergency medicine rotations. We're getting that sense of like sick, not sick. I think before we end, Nick, maybe we can do just like a quick clinical pearl because I think it's also important. We trained at a location where we actually had a women's only emergency room. So I know we don't have the full emergency medicine experience, but I think we definitely saw a lot of women's emergencies. So any clinical pearl from you to our OBGYN or EM colleagues. I think the biggest thing that I would give advice to for emergency medicine colleagues as well as for GYN colleagues is to admit something that you don't know. Um, so Nick and I trained in an OBGYN residency where we had our own women's emergency room, but a lot of times people would show up and they would say, oh, an emergency room, and they would come in for some very non-OBGYN related emergencies, and that would be things like, I fell and I broke my elbow, and they happened to be pregnant. And so it's okay for you as an EM doctor to say, you know what, I don't know, or for you as an OBGYN to say, you know what, I don't know, let's call somebody else. Because I ended up calling orthopedics to come and help with this elbow fracture, and they said, well, you know, you can just put a sling on it. It's actually not something that you need to cast. And I said, I'm so sorry, I'm an OBGYN. We don't have slings in this hospital, and I've never put a sling <laughs> on in my entire life. Would you mind coming over and putting the sling on this patient? I'm happy to learn, but I can tell you right now that I don't know how to put on, sl put on a sling. 
Oh, that um, sounds like a classic story from our training, Faye. <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I guess from my side, you know, the the pearl that I would hope to impart really, again, is one of don't forget the basics. I mean, I think in one of our very first podcasts at the end, we used to like have a little joke and said, and remember, don't forget a pregnancy test. Like there can be so much chaos that happens in the aftermath when you don't follow your protocols. And I think one of my attendings put it best is that anyone who's reproductively aged between the ages of nine and 59 should get a pregnancy test unless the reproductive organs have been removed. Um, and maybe that's a little too broad, but yeah. at the same time, you're not going to miss pregnancy with that. Well, I think that brings us to the end of this espresso episode, Nick. So once again, this is Faye. This is Nick. And this has been Creogs Over Coffee. So guys, if you enjoyed the podcast today, head over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, whatever your podcatcher is, and give us a five-star rating and review. You can find us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at Creogs Over Coffee and on Twitter at Creogs Over Coffee One. You can also find us on Patreon where you can donate to the show. That's at www.patreon.com slash Coffee. We have show notes for this episode and all of our prior episodes, as well as the Rosh Review Question of the Week on our website, creogsovercoffee.com. And if you have a question for us, a correction or a suggestion for another episode, go ahead and email us, creogsovercoffee at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.